listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Sorry for Your Loss. I want to thank you guys for sticking with me. I know we've had a bit of an unintended hiatus. That just happens to be the way life works every now and then, but I'm back and I'm excited to share this next episode with my friend Amanda. So before we jump in, I wanted to ask a quick favor. I want to know how has listening to this podcast or sharing this podcast helped or affected you? I've heard from family and friends and people that I bump into that it seems to be opening up conversations or providing a starting point for some conversations, but I'd love to know if more is happening out there from you know, people I may not know. It could be that you're grieving yourself and this has helped you process some of it or that you just felt comfortable approaching someone or asking a question. Perhaps you've found a way to use this in some way I would never have expected. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Anyway, you could send a message to me at sorryforyourlosspod at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at sorryforyourlosspod. Uh, written messages are great, but if you feel comfortable recording yourself, that would be even better. I'm um, just sending that message along, and that way I'd be able to use it in an upcoming episode. Big thank you in advance if you are able to send some information my way. Um, I look forward to hearing from you. Now, on to this newest episode. In this episode, I interviewed my friend Amanda, and I thought of Amanda immediately for this podcast for two reasons. One, we are of a similar age, and she has already lost both of her parents, which is unusual and unfair and unfortunate. Um, but that also gave her exactly the perspective that I was hoping to understand when I took this whole thing on. Um, and then the second reason is because she's always been very open and approachable about the, her parents and the fact that they're dead. I mean, they're not here, but she's always been very open about them. And it's always been a known fact um, that, you know, she's got these ideas or she does, does these things every year. Um, because of her parents. So it was a very easy topic to broach, even though it's a difficult one. Um, because basically, if you know Amanda as a friend, you will get to know Evangeline and Ron just by being with her and celebrating life with her. Amanda's story is going to be told in two parts. Today's episode focuses on similar themes to previous interviews, such as what her grief kind of felt like, what she went through, what she's realized she needed in the 10 or so years since her parents, her mom died, and then since her dad died more recently, and then advice on what you should do and what you absolutely should not do if you have a friend who is grieving. As always, any reference resources are linked on the website, sorryforyourlosspod.com. In the next episode, the one after this, Amanda's going to talk more about the process that she went through of losing both her parents. So not partially the grief, but kind of more just that whole experience and what was going on and how those experiences absolutely shaped her grief for both parents, but then also kind of her life at the time and, as, you know, and going forward. So it's just basically she's explaining how the change in your life is a different piece to grieve and it kind of exists outside of the grief you feel for your parent or for the person who you're grieving. Um, so it's, of course, super good. And uh, it's just a piece of grief, too, that I hadn't really realized existed. So that'll be out next. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get a notification wherever you might be. As always, thank you so much for listening. It's been a true pleasure and honor to record these stories. So let's begin. Here's Amanda and me. Hello, 
to Sorry for Your Lost podcast. I'm Ellen, and today I'm really excited to be here with my friend Amanda, who I've known for a long time at this point, which I've not actually thought through before trying to say these words. Eight years. Yeah. So, and she's so graciously agreed to share some of her stories with grief and kind of how that all played out in your life and what it feels like now. Hi. Hi. Do you want to start just a little bit by um, telling people who you are and what your experience with grief has been and what we're gonna, gonna chat about? Sure, so my name's Amanda. Um, I live in Kansas City, which is how I know Ellen. Um, I'm currently 38 and I say that because it helps contextualize <laughs> the topic of our conversation. So um, my mom, I have a younger brother and a younger sister and then our two parents. And my mom passed away in 2003 after um, an on and off 13 year battle with breast cancer. And so I was 22 when she passed away. So I just graduated college. And then my dad passed away 10 years later in 2013. So I was 32 when he passed away. Um, and he passed away from what's called arrhythmia, which is related to your heart. Um, and that was obviously really unexpected. So I lost them for two totally different types of ways. Um, but then the result now is that I have had neither parent in my life for um, five and a half years. And there's, I have found very few people in their 30s that that is true for. So yeah, those are, I would say are my most immediate and most intense experiences with grief. Yeah, um, that's part of the reason that I thought of you is because the reason that this whole podcast came about is I've started to hit the first few of my friends who are losing their parents um, because we're becoming that age. But you've already been through that and that is, it's unusual. And I also know that when you told me that and then also I knew you when your dad died, I kind of, I, it was probably one of the first experiences that I'd had with that and you know, mm -hmm. feel like I knew what to do. Mm -hmm. so that's, I'm glad that you're sharing this because again, I think it's just gonna help people just know what to do because we are approaching this span of life where people are going to start dying. Yeah. And I think what's, what's interesting about that is like, if I were to ask you about your grandparents, I'm probably going to like choose my words and put my intention behind my questions in a way that knowing that I might be asking about people who are currently alive and I might not. Because, you know, at this point, like some people still have grandparents around and some people don't. And that's been true for a while. Like since, you know, I was in college or something like that. And I feel like when people get older than us, people start applying that same sort of language choice to parents, but I, um, or other people in your life, kids, cousins, whoever. Um, but I feel like that is rarely true when, you know, like when people are talking to me in my twenties and then, you know, something comes up and I end up telling them that my mom had passed away. I would say the, the overwhelming consistent response is people being surprised or caught off guard because you just don't anticipate that being someone's reality and then double that right now. So I have like people ask about my parents, like, Oh, where do your parents live? And I'm like, well, my parents, like I grew up in Iowa. So like I answer the question, but they just like don't have that same sort of filter to it that I think in 15 or 20 years, everyone would sort of automatically put on stuff. So. Yeah. And I think too, there's for a lot of people there's a much there's a slightly different um 
you're slightly more removed from your grandparents, not all the time, but yeah. you would be with your parents. And so right. like, it is something that more people will experience with their grandparents or the pain isn't as acute um, as it might be if it were your parent. So it's hard to know kind of how, how sensitive to be and how, how to ask. And it is surprising. Right. right. So, um, one of the things though, that I do love about you and about just kind of your experience with this is that you are very open about it. I mean, I think probably because it's been part of you for so long, but like you have, I know you celebrate your mom's birthday with pancakes. There's Valentine's day. Um, there are just always ways that you, I mean, even this was true before your dad died as well. It's like your family had great traditions that you've carried on. Mm -hmm. So how has that helped or is that something that you do because, or just talk about that? Yeah. So, um, I think part of it stems from the fact that like who my family is and who my parents are have always been like very fun and very adventurous and like do certain things we always do together. Um, and my parents were also really intentional about creating that family space for each other. Um, they were all, like close to my extended family, but they made a lot of sort of life choices that were about what they wanted to do and how we wanted to grow up. And so as a result, continuing that feels easy. Um, like we all went on summer vacations with my like, adults would like regather with my dad and go on epic road trips, which is like not true for most people. Um, Cause we did that growing up. Um, and so then I think part of it, so it's kind of a continuation of that. And then my mom's birthday was in November and she passed away in December. So when we were coming up on the first year of her being gone, my dad decided that he wanted to like do something for her birthday because time-wise those were close enough together. It was sort of a way of like honoring the past year as well. And so that kind of kicked that off with sort of that intentional choice from my dad. And then, um, even with my mom, like she's sick for a long time. And so as part of hospice, they have you do something called the five wishes it's called, which is basically like planning. It's like, it's basically, it's helping people face the fact that they're not going to be around much longer, but it asks them to do some of the things are like, what would you want to be in your memorial service? You know, like who, what music would you want? Who would you want to talk? What would you want it to include? It's like one of the things. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of the stuff my mom had was just not a lot of things that you would associate with a typical memorial service. So, um, you know, she wanted to have a craft fair where everyone brought stuff that she had made them over the years. She thought that'd be like fun to have it all there. And she oh, had like, back. yeah. So like, she asked everyone to bring like quilts that she had made. Like, she was like, you know, that would be, that would be like, you know, I, I be, that would be great. And so we had this huge auditorium and there was, quilts on the wall that my mom had made and needle points like cross stitches she had made and um because she made stuff like that for so many people so we had a whole room full of that so I just feel like it sort of just set the tone that like we're celebrating who this person is even as we're mourning that they're gone and so for me I just felt like that's an easy sort of choice to continue that if that makes sense where yeah you know you're a you're about celebrating the memories with them and celebrating their life and not fixating solely on the fact that they're gone. Um, and I think, so that, that's been a big part of it for me was that in sort of intentional let's celebrate them. And then I think another part too is like in my grief process and you have a question that I was asking about some part of this is I remember, especially because with my mom who passed away first, I remember the day where all of a sudden I realized that 
when I thought of her more often, I was thinking of like happy memories or stories or like just like a warm, fuzzy feeling that that was, that's what I thought of first or more often than sort of like sadness or overwhelming or hurt. Like when that flipped back to being like, oh, I can think of her as a person and not just think of like this intense experience. And so for me, continuing to do stuff that celebrates both of them, I feel like is like keeping that sentiment alive and being like, that's the part of them that I most want to hang on to rather than like this intensity around losing them. So. Yeah. And I think that then also is something that helps me understand as I talk to people about this, it's like, that's especially the farther out you get from the actual death, more of what people associate with it. So I can ask you about your parents and know that you're going, like you would, you want to talk about them. Yeah. Cause I have a lifetime of stories about them. And I think you had one, one thing that you had asked me sort of prepping for this interview that was like, you know, what's something that sort of rubs you the wrong way or something when people ask you about your parents. And one of the things that I thought of is for some people, it's like they ask and then I don't, if someone asks me about my parents, I don't immediately be like, well, they're not around. Like I'll answer their question, but then like, I, I'm, I will bring that up when it's relevant or sometimes I don't because the question they're asking doesn't necessitate them. Like, oh, where do your parents live? Oh, my parents, like we grew up in Iowa. And then if there's a follow-up question, I'm happy to answer it, but like what they asked doesn't necessitate me saying anything. So one thing that is hard though is if when folks find out that w- both of them aren't around or what, when my mom wasn't around originally, um, then they're like, oh, and then they just change the topic. I'm like, well, if we're talking about like where I grew up in the, in the town I grew up in, like whether or not my parents are still alive doesn't matter for that conversation. Like I can tell you all kinds of things about me growing up and just because they're not around anymore doesn't mean that I wouldn't or won't. So I think that's hard. And I get where it comes from because people are just like stuck and not knowing what to say, but it's just hard because it's like, I, okay, like, great. You know, I, <laughs> we really could just, I, I can tell you tons of stories about either of my parents. Yeah. So would, what would you prefer in that situation? Um, I think in that example, I mean, I think people, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with people like asking follow-up questions about like when my parents passed away or what happened or those circumstances are just expressing like, Oh, I'm, like, I'm sorry to hear that or whatever. I don't have like certain things I need people to say. Um, but I guess for me, it's just then just like returning, continuing what the conversation was. Because most often it came up because there was some other topic we were already talking about. So it's like, great, just continue that thing with this new information. Mm-hmm. So, like I can talk to you about that road trip we went on to Yosemite National Park, regardless of whether or not my parents are still around. Yeah. So the minute that they find out that your dad is now dead, it's like suddenly like, they're convinced that you don't want to talk about anything anymore. So, oh my gosh, right. don't break down in front of me. Let's change the subject. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, I, I get it. I understand. And yeah. in reality, that also could happen. Um, but it, I just think thinking like, oh, this conversation needs to stop, I think is part of the part where I'm like, oftentimes it's something really simple and like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time when your parents passed away, what did, what was going through your brain? What really helped you at the time? And um, the question that I um, specifically asked was, 
does anything stand out as like someone who blew you away that like definite support or just someone who missed the mark? Yeah. You don't have to name names. That's not what <laughs> I'm <doing. laughs> um, Let's see. Um, so there is a book by C.S. Lewis called A Grief Observed. Has anyone ever mentioned this one to you? No. So um, C.S. Lewis was a, a really pretty Christian religious man, which, so this book is pretty Christian. And so my friend who gave it to me was like, I know, like, regardless of your religious background, like you can take this book and either connect to the Christian part of it, or you can let that go to the side, but like, just take the rest of it. And she said, when she, someone gave it to her, when she, her sister passed away and she found it really helpful. So she mailed it to me. It was like, whenever you decide to pick it up, like my hunches, it'll be really helpful for you too. It's super short. It's like a hundred pages. So I in turn actually have, um, that was true for me, have mailed it to a lot of other people. Hmm. There's two things about that book that stand out to me to help answer your question. And one is that the book is called A Grief Observed. And he starts off in the introduction talking about why that's the title and about how like grief is not something that like I experience the same way as anybody else, or even that I experience with my mom and then how I experience it with my dad. So it's a grief that it's like, it's always going to be different. And there are singular components to it, but it's always, he's saying, I am telling my story about this one experience and you might have some things that connect with that, but also your story is going to be different because it always is different. And so I think that was really powerful for me to read. And I think um, people that were able to navigate that with me through that piece of it, I think was really helpful. And another piece in that book that stood out was he talks about there's a lot of things in your life that you say you trust or you believe, but you don't actually know how much you believe them until it's tested. So the analogy he gives is like, you're, you say someone gives you a piece of rope and they're like, is this rope strong? And you're like, yeah, it looks good. Like, yep, seems sturdy, like looks strong. But then now someone gives you that same piece of rope and is like, you're going to hang from this cliff by that rope. Like, what do you think about this rope? Now, suddenly, like your assessment and what you think about that rope is going to be totally different because there's different context and risk and intensity to it. And so he says the same thing is true about like, you can think what it, it would be like for you or like, oh, I've lost a grandparent. So losing a parent might be like that in this way, or I've never lost somebody really close to me, but this is what I think happens after you die. So I'm pretty sure I, I feel good that that's true. And his point is like, you can think through that all you want, but until you're like in that moment, you don't actually know how your beliefs and feelings are going to play out. And so I think that really resonated with me because just realizing moment to moment, like you don't know what it's going to feel like or think like or impact you until you're in it. And so um, the other part of that is that I feel like from friends or from family around you, just knowing that you don't know what it's going to be like till you're in it and that that changes moment to moment and day to day. So just having like a, a constancy of um, friendship or people around you, I feel like is really valuable um, because that way they can engage you and approach you and check on how you're doing, but do it in a way that there's no obligation for you to respond. So like one time I got an email from somebody just checking in on me and I appreciated the email and I read it and I didn't reply. And then I got a card from that same person like a month ago, later than that. And he told me that he had taken a while to write because he, he was 
like felt hurt that I hadn't written him back. And I was like, mm, that's not how that works. Like if you're putting something out to me because you expect something back, then like, that's not what I need. Versus like another example, like I had a friend, so my mom passed away and I then less than a month, no, a month later was back in my college town to my student teaching to finish my teacher certification with all of my college like friends, but they were in school, but I was student teaching. So I was on a totally different schedule. It's like super ugly. Um, and my housing situation got messed up anyway, stressful. Yeah. And one of my good friends said, let's have dinner every Tuesday. And he's like, and I'm always going to ask you how you're doing with mom stuff. And you can, we can talk about it or we cannot, And we can do talk about anything you want, but I'm, we're always going to have dinner on Tuesday. And I'm always going to ask you that question. And he did for the entire semester. So like I knew on Tuesdays, I was going to see him for dinner. And I knew if I was having a rough day and didn't want to talk to anybody, we would just eat and then he would leave. Or I knew if I was thinking about something and I wanted to process that he would ask me that question and I could do that. Or if I wanted to tell him some silly story about whatever, we, or here, here's some silly story from him, I could. So there's just this constancy there, but there was no obligation to it. And it was also flexible and willing to adapt to whatever, wherever I was at that moment. Yeah. And that's, I think what I take from that also is just kind of being very clear and very kind of blunt. It's like, I'm here for you in a way that I know that I can help, but is that relief of expectation is something that you just can rely on, I guess, where it's like mm -hmm. kind of being almost aggressive in how you want to help, but not in a way that actually puts any of the onus on you. Yep. And I think sometimes, you know, when I'm thinking about the losing my two parents, sometimes I got very specific, like, what can I help you with? And sometimes I had an answer to that. And sometimes I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like literally, like, I can't answer that question for you. And so, you know, it's nice to be asked if there's something someone can do to help because sometimes there is, but it's also nice sometimes that like, he was just going to come over to have dinner. Mm. You know, like I don't, I don't have to think, I don't have to tell him what I need. I don't have to ask for anything because I have to eat dinner. So like that takes, that takes the pressure off of me to drive what I need. Right. It just creates space. So I think, I think both are valuable and there's never an answer to which one's most needed when. So that's why I'm, you know, just this constantly like, Hey, I'm here for this like super regular thing or like, I'm going to a movie. Do you want to come? And, and if I say no, like ask me again next time, you know, mm -hmm. that has nothing just like being willing to keep being present and showing up in different ways. Um, knowing that some of them are going to be the right fit at the right time and some of them aren't and that's all okay because it's going to change again yeah smart <laughs> so how has that changed like we already were just talking about um grief is it's not linear and it's not like a process where like i've done step one two and three so like i'm on step seven um and <laughs> it's not like a really predictable cycle there's like a a continual ebb and flow to it and so um i think the the biggest changing point that i can think of is what we i was talking about earlier where i remember that moment where when i thought about my mom i didn't first have sadness and intensity and overwhelming just um being in it i could um 
thought about like happy memories or stories or like, oh, ha ha, like that was a fun time or she would have really liked this or something like that. And I remember after my dad died, so that was 10 years later under really different circumstances. I remember thinking to myself, okay, like just going to be in this and I will watch for that moment when I see that shift. Like when I see that I, um, I don't get like panicky when I hear an ambulance siren, when I like see like a Clementine at the store and think of this like hilarious story about my dad involving Clementines, like when those things happen more often than the other ones. So I think that was an important time marker. Um, and then I think the other thing too, and I wrote this down is, um, so I had a friend who quit smoking and he quit cold turkey. And he was doing really well. He was like, no problem. It's been like, like several weeks. I don't even crave cigarettes anymore. Like, this is doing great. I'm feeling really strong about this. Like, this is great. And then he went and did yard work. And after the, he did yard work, he had the most overwhelming urge to have a cigarette. And he realized it was because every single time he had done yard work, he always then had a cigarette afterwards. And it was the first time since he had quit that he had done yard work. And so if someone asked him before, like, what are some of the main triggers that are going to make you want to smoke? He would never have said yard work. And when he went to do yard work, he wasn't like, oh, I probably shouldn't do yard work because it's going to make me want to smoke a cigarette. Like, he had no idea. He just did it. And I feel like it's, in a different way, super similar with grief, right? Where, like, an, on totally different amount of time can pass. It can be now, like, you know, which is, for me, like, 15 years after losing my mom something can happen that I'm like, that brings this overwhelming thing back. And it can be, you know, like, you know, like I just had a daughter a year ago. And so all of a sudden it's like, you know, I watch her sitting with her grandmother, you know, Nathaniel's mom, my husband's mom. And I think, and I see that. And then it's like, oh, this is the first time I've thought about what would it physically be like for my kid to sit on my mom's lap? Yeah, I've thought about for years about how my kids would, ne my hypothetical kids would never know my mom. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, there it is. There it is. Like there's this thing that, you know, I thought I'd already thought all my way through and whatever, but you see the physical human sitting in this physical spot. And then all of a sudden there it is again, you know? And so I just think some of those are real predictable, um, you know, like dates of significance or like, your wedding or like things like that. And others of them are like really small and random and you would never see them coming. And that's true. I think always, I think it, it doesn't matter how long ago you lost somebody. And it's sometimes still surprising to me that I still get them. Right. Because in many ways it's like, really? Like I haven't hit all of these right now, but no, <laughs> you never do. You never do. It could, it can sneak up on you at any point kind of mm -hmm. just washes right back. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking though of Zoe, um, one of my other questions for you is how has, how has it changed? It sounds like it, you hit on it a little bit, but just how have you kind of adapted your parents into raising Zoe and approaching this? So I guess it's just, the thing I wrote down is it's just a new big way of missing them, right? So there's like little questions like, um, we were talking with my, my cousin just had a baby and we were talking with my aunt about like, She's like, yeah, I didn't have car seats when you guys were little. I literally, because it wasn't a thing, you know, in the late 70s or early 80s. I just like 
laid you on the floor in the passenger seat. And then we like drove to where we were going and we're like, what? That's ridiculous. Or like, oh, she's like, oh, I just wore you in a wrap and I put the seatbelt on. And we're like, that's insane. And so then, you know, we're like telling these stories and I'm like, I don't know what my parents did. And I never would have thought to ask them because until I'm putting a kid in the car seat, it hadn't occurred to me. Right. Or like the, the first time I did something like I know some of those, but you know, I don't know a lot of other ones. And it's like a million questions that like, until you're in it as a mom of a baby, I would never have asked those questions. Yeah. And, and, and now your mom wouldn't have been reminded about until she saw Zoe doing it as well. Right. So Plus if she had tried to tell me those things in high school, I'd have been like, eh, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want to know this. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, hundred percent. Those like small things like that. And then there's also just like big ways too, you know, where it was like, um, my parents both would have loved being grandparents, like just loved it. And so I, I often have intense moments of being like, just feeling this like non-specific, but there's just like overwhelming wave of like, oh, like it makes me so sad. Um, you know, for Zoe, but also for them. Um, so I can get some big ways too. So, um, like we have, my aunt had, um, like teddy bears made of like, um, like a a polo my dad used to wear all the time. And so like the material of the teddy bear is like his shirt. And then there's a dress that my mom used to wear all the time. Um, that's mom's one. So like they're in Zoe's room. And so she thinks they're great. And we call them their, her, you know, her grim Evangeline bear and her Paparon bear. Um, and so she gets to see them. And then like my mom made a cross stitch that she wanted to hang in the bedroom of all of her grandkids for the first year they were born. So like it's on the wall in Zoe's room. Um, and then Zoe right now is really excited about pointing at, um, pictures of people and saying who they are. So like anywhere on the wall in a frame. So I have a little like kid photo album that she goes through and she points at faces and we say who they are and she's says something back, which is gibberish, but it means something to her. Um, so I put like a picture of my parents in there too, you know, and point those out as well. Um, and she sees them around the house and, you know, like at some point in the future, like absolutely we'll have to have conversations about why she hasn't seen them in person. But for now, I feel like they are important people in her life and she has my mom's name as her middle name. And so I don't feel like need to like, just cause they're not physically here. doesn't mean she doesn't have any understanding or engagement with them, I guess. Yeah. Those bears. That's such a great idea. <laughs> yeah. She did that for my grandparents. Um, and then for my parents. Yeah. And they're the kind of bears, you know, that have like the hinged limbs and stuff that you could just sit on a shelf somewhere, but I'm like, Oh no, like these are hers. Like they're in her room. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, was there any other thoughts or things that you wanted to share just as you brought, as you unearthed all of this again? I guess two things that I stand out, you wrote a question about, um, what helps now, like with grief over time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like another big realization that I had after my mom died, um, was that I had this big fear that I would forget her. Like, you know, I'm 22 when she passed away. So like what happens when I'm 32, 42, 52, 62, like, um, like, is she going to fade from my memory? Um, which is really scary. Um, and I had this realization um, when I was like, I would say in the first probably six months after my mom passed away, just 
um, realizing that like people always live on in you and that like you don't forget people like you might forget like you know little small stories or whatever things that happened and you will miss out on not creating new stories with people but like you don't like they're in you like you don't they don't go away um and i think i didn't have that same fear as a result when my dad passed away because i already like that was my rope i'd already tested right like i knew it was true but i think the first time that people lose someone really close to them i mean i think that's really real like that someone's not there so they're like gone gone not just their physical presence but that their like memory or their impact in your life um and you know back to your original thing that you were asking about how i still celebrate or love my family or you know keep them engaged is i think just that realization right like i always have them they're always part of me and i think that's huge and i just think approaching other people who um have lost people and knowing that that person's not there but they still have them is key and the other then piece of that is you were saying like what's something that's hard to hear or what bothers you in reactions and there's this phrase that i hear all the time that i feel like especially in grief gets me um which is that if people like deserve something that phrase deserve i have such a hard time with because like oh they got that job like they really deserve that job they've been like working their way up the ladder or like oh they um get to go on this big trip like that's wonderful like they deserve to get away and i think a lot of times people mean it in a positive way like they've been working really hard so they've earned it but what's so hard is if you take that same idea and you play it out the other way it's like i don't deserve to not have my parents around my mom didn't deserve to have cancer and fight that for 13 years um and so i just feel like um i have a really hard time with that phrase um because i think there's other ways to express that like you worked really hard i'm glad that's happening to you without then turning it to be that something um was sort of innately coming your way because of the cosmic balance of the universe or something um cuz that's what's hard for me is when people get stuck in you know like my mom didn't deserve to get cancer when she was 38 like i didn't deserve to not have parents around um and in the same way you know i don't need someone to just be sorry for my loss right and then have it stop there um so even when i write cards to other people i try to say like you know i'm sorry for your recent loss like i hope you find ways to celebrate their life or just let them know that it's like a continual process and not just something that has like a finite end to it yes like that's i'm actually really glad you said that cuz that's kind of where the definitely where the title of the podcast comes from it's like people will say sorry for your loss and feel like that is the that's all the band-aid that you needed they've ticked the box and said sorry for your loss and now you're now you're okay like i don't have to say anything past this you'll you'll you know you've got other people who can do this or whatever it might be tick and then right don't have to talk about it again cuz grief is still so taboo it seems to like don't want to again kind of don't want to don't want to make you feel bad i think is the 
the positive thing that people are trying to avoid, um, but ultimately just winds up being awkward and unhealthy. Yeah. So the other one that makes that even harder is I'm sorry to hear about your loss. I'm like, oh, you don't even want to know, right? And then it's like, as the recipient of that, what do you say? Thank you. Like, what? How do you even respond to that? You know, like, sorry to hear about your loss. Thank, thank you. You know, but like, I'm not thankful for losing the person. I'm also not sorry that you know about it. Um, and but there's really no other way to follow up that conversation. Yeah, like, there's not without the person saying whoever says sorry for your loss needs to be prepped with a follow-up question of like opening those up and saying like i'm here do you want to talk about it or not either way like your friend is like don't have to talk about it i'm acknowledging it and i'm like ready to listen but just the phrase sorry for your loss it stops right there yeah or even just saying sorry for your loss like i know they're a really important person in your life because then now you're not i don't have I now have a choice about how I want to respond. I don't have to say like, thank you or some other thing that somehow like pats you back for saying. It yeah. just leaves the door open rather than making a sort of limited next step that doesn't, like no options feel good after that basically. Right. So um, One of the things my mom told me at one point in time is that it's like, because I'm, the reason that this even came up is because I, felt for a long time so timid about following up or asking because I don't want to bring up, you know, I'm assuming because I've not lost someone, there's going to be some deep, dark, just blub of a cry that's going to come out of you immediately. Um, and especially in the moment, my mom just pointed out, it's like, well, it's not really possible to make you feel worse at that point in time. So saying anything is going to be better than saying nothing or tiptoeing or not asking. Right. And I've also been like, I've been really fortunate and feel like I've had great friendship support after losing both of my parents. Um, and I, that doesn't mean everybody always said and did the right thing. Right. But like in general, I feel so fortunate and I know other people that haven't felt that way, you know, even, um, people close to me that haven't felt that way through the same experiences. And so I feel really grateful about that. Um, and you know, relatedly, I think uh, something else that I put down was just people showing up at memorial services or sending cards or emails that you never expect to hear back from. That's key. <laughs> and just doing that, um, is huge. You know, I remember walking into both of my parents' memorial services. Some people, some people told me, they're like, Hey, just so you're not shocked when you see me having flown across the country for the first time, when you walk in here, like I'm coming, but like, it was never on me to like coordinate their travel plans or see them outside of that. Um, but I was shocked both times at people who just like showed up, you know, just came either in town or out of town or people that had some people that hadn't even met my parents, many people that had, and were just like, you know, you're having this celebration of life. I'm going to go. Um, and so I think there's lots of ways to show up for people. Um, and just making it not a one-time thing and not expecting that like, well, I showed up and they didn't want what I offered. So, oh, well, I'll just move on. It's never that simple. And friendship really isn't that simple either. I think people just feel more intense when it has to do with grief because you feel like you're going to mess up. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. Um, one thing I actually kind of just want to follow up. So you mentioned a couple of like your milestones so that you've been able to identify with your mom and then to kind of look for them with your dad. But then those griefs were completely, they were still completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're different because, uh, you know, it was losing your first parent versus losing a second. It was different because I was 22 versus I was 32. It was different because I put my life on hold to go home and care for a sick parent versus I lost my dad in an instant, right? Um, it was different because after my mom passed away, I could go back to trying to figure out how to resume my life. Whereas then after my dad passed away, I had to take on how to close up my parents' estate, right? Because now that's it, you know, for a house, for a car, for a credit card, for a utility bill. Um, so there's a lot of messy logistics. Um, it's different because the people around me reacted differently, different, you know, parts of those times. The first time my sister was 15, um, the next time my sister was 25. So that's really different. So yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Cool is the absolute wrong word again, but thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I, uh, I am curious to see how many conversations you have with people and then uh, what sort of the, the results or reactions are. Cause I think it's a lot like, I mean, as your original, original reason for doing this I think a lot of people just have no no frame of reference and that's okay but just as a result how do you still hold that space when you have no experience or yourself so yeah that's exactly it it's been I've had a couple interviews already so far and it's just been good I mean I think it's been different because like kind of exactly your point it's just been everyone's unique experience that there are absolutely some common themes but I think if I've learned anything so far it's just that it's so much better to just ask than to not ask absolutely so, yeah I will let you go thank you again okay. so much yeah, you're welcome and give Nathaniel and Zoe gigantic hugs for me I will I hear him downstairs playing she is not a thanks for listening to this episode of sorry for your loss with amanda as i mentioned at the beginning hers is a two-part episode so the next episode to come out will also feature her talking more about the process of losing both of her parents and the experience that she had during both of those times so it's also amazing and has just a great perspective on what's going on while someone is losing someone. So be sure to subscribe so that you get a notification when that comes out. Should be pretty soon. And don't forget to send me a message about how this podcast has helped you in your grief or with a friend's grief or in some other way. Thanks so much.